Judges chapter 6, verse 33. Now, I've been going through a series of sermons on Gideon, and we, we looked at Gideon's calling, how God called Gideon out and gave him a, a strong calling, and how Gideon uh, responded to that. And then we saw where Gideon started cleaning his house. So it started at his own house, and then it was, it, now it's going to move out. But we saw that Gideon first had cleaning he did at his own house, and then that leads us to verse 33. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Abiezar was gathered after him. Now that's his family. That's the family of the people around him. So these same people that we read about up in the first of chapter 6 that wanted to kill him for tearing down Baal's altar, now that he's done that, They've kind of come around. They're like, you know what? We're on his side. So sometimes you need to make a step out for the Lord, even though you might be the only one in your, in your family, at your job, at your school, or wherever you might be. You might be the only one that acts a certain way for the Lord, but when you step out for the Lord, it might encourage somebody else to follow along with you. Start living like that. Amen. It's a good testimony. And that's showing you Gideon had a good testimony there. Verse 35, and he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also was gathered after him, and he sent messengers unto Asher, and unto Zebulun, and unto Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. And Gideon said unto God, if thou, if thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor, and if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. So what Gideon does here is what we as Christians, we get the term from this verse, these verses right here. He puts out a fleece. He puts out a fleece. He says, you know what, I'm going to put this fleece on the ground, this woolen fleece on the ground. And, if, and, then, and when I put this fleece on the ground, if I, the next morning I get up and this fleece has, is, is full of water, but it's dry all around the ground around that fleece, then I'll know that's what you want me to do. We call it putting on a fleece. We do that as Christians when we don't know God's will. We wonder, does God really want me to do this? Or what's God's will in this matter? What, what, what does God want me to do here? And sometimes we don't hear an audible voice from God, so we start praying in ways of saying, God, show me a sign. Do something. And sometimes they call, we, we say putting out a fleece is when you literally say, Lord, I want you to do this and do that. Then I'll know that's what you want me to do. And I want to preach this morning, I want to preach this morning on the dangers, the dangers of putting out a fleece. There's a real danger in putting out a fleece. So the real, there's real danger, I'm going to show you three real dangers you have when you put out a fleece. And what, you need, what happens when you put out a fleece like, like Gideon's doing here in verse 37. Well, the first thing you're doing when you're putting, the real danger of putting out a fleece is that you're tempting God. You're tempting God. You might, be, you might ask him for a sign that's nothing short of a miracle. And that's what Gideon does here. He asks for a sign from God that, honestly, God, this is nothing short of a miracle. God's going to have to change some of his own laws. A miracle is basically God has laws, and there's laws of the universe. A miracle is simply God breaking those laws. God doing something to change those laws so those laws don't, take, don't have effect. That's a miracle. Salvation is a miracle. Uh, all kinds of things that Jesus Christ did are miracles. Him, him denying the laws of, of, of entropy and all the different laws that God has set up in this universe, Jesus Christ denied all those. But here he's asking God to deny one of his laws and say, okay, I will put a fleece on the floor, a wool in the floor, and if the dew be on the fleece only and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand as thou hast said. So sometimes, guys, uh, when you ask uh, God for a fleece, you're tempting God. 
You really are. You're tempting the Lord. And in Matthew chapter 4, the devil comes to Jesus Christ and tempting him in the wilderness. And one of the things the devil says is the devil taketh him into a holy city and sent him up on the temple. And when he sent him up on the temple of the temple, temple, the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And the devil had Jesus, was tempted Jesus Christ to just to throw himself down and throw himself down because he knew that there'd be angels there to carry him and not let him fall down and hurt himself because he's the Messiah, he's the chosen one. And the devil knew that and the devil was quoting scripture at him. And what was Jesus Christ's answer to that temptation? Jesus Christ's answer was simply this. Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. That's a temptation. And Jesus could have done it. Jesus could have stepped out and said, Well, the Lord, I want you, I'm going to say, if I am the Messiah, then I'm going to step out here and you're supposed to take care of me. Amen. That would have been uh, Jesus Christ tempting God. And he said it so much, he said it to the devil. So when you're putting out a fleece, sometimes you're tempting God because God's already told you. And we're going to get into that in a minute. But uh, sometimes when we put out these fleeces, we ask God for something that's nothing short of a miracle. It'd be like you saying, Lord, if you really want me to witness, you really want me to witness to this person, then uh, make, a bird, uh, make a little bird land over there on that, on that power line right there and start tweeting Amazing Grace. You wait on it. You, I know Christians like that. I know Christians like that. And you shouldn't have to ask the Lord, you shouldn't put a fleece out on the simple things of God. The truth of God, he wants you to witness. You don't need to ask God if he wants you to witness. He wants you to witness. You're tempting God sometimes when you, you put out a fleece. Now, there are examples of reasons to put out a fleece, and we'll go into those in a little bit. But look at verse 38. And it was so that for he rose up early on the morrow and thrust the fleece together and wring the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. God, God did it. It's amazing. God said, all right, this is, you put out the fleece. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor what you want. I'm going to go ahead and do it for you. I'm going to show you this sign because you're, you're trying to live by signs and not by faith. I'm going to go ahead and show you this sign because I think you need it. Look at verse 39. And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece, let it now be dry only upon the fleece and upon all the ground. Let there be dew. Ah. I mean, it's so easy to see all the faults in other people in the Bible, amen? <laughs> we can't see them in ourselves like, Gideon, Gideon, he just showed you an amazing miracle, and you're like, well, you can go just this one. I don't want to make you angry, Lord, but just this once, just this once. Hey, do it again, but let's do it another way. That's the second danger of putting out a fleece. The second danger of putting out a fleece like Gideon's doing here is when you put out a fleece, sometimes you won't believe what God shows you. I, I, my way of praying is, Lord, close this door. If I'm not supposed to do this, close this door. And then I get to the door, and then I, I try to open the door, and it's closed. I get a pry bar, and I'm over here, and for three months, I'm over here trying to pry this door open. Lord, if you don't want me to go, close that door. And I'm, ah, you know. I closed it, dummy. Move on. Move on. That's the danger of putting out a fleece is when God does show up, God does show you something. See that bird up there? It's amazingly tweeting. Amazing grace. It's a tweeting amazing grace. It's just like a Christian to say, that's amazing that that bird's doing that. Lord, does it know power in the blood? Anything to get out of going over there witnessing that person. Anything to get out of doing what God called you to do. 
God has given the call to Gideon already. We, I preached it. We looked at it. We read it. God's already given the call to Gideon. And he's putting out this fleece, knowing this. And that's the real danger is when God does do it, you won't follow through. Now, guys, there really is honest reasons to put out a fleece. Maybe you're a, a, young, a young man or a young woman. You don't know who to marry. Examples like that. You know, Should I marry this person? Well, that's an honest fleece. And what, the way you put out a fleece that, with that, say, Lord, show me a sign. It'll give me a sign. Should I marry this person or should I not marry this person? Well, number one is you always should be praying. Amen? It's first and foremost is praying. But, but let, me share, let me talk about how maybe you could, I could help you with praying. The way you pray is you pray simply saying, Lord, show me the truth. Show me the truth. Show me the truth. We did this with our kids. When our kids were off doing things they shouldn't do some, some, and different things they were doing, me and my wife, we got serious about it, and we said, you know, we can't change them. they got a free will, but we can pray the Lord will show them the truth. Amen. It was amazing how the Lord opened their eyes and showed them the truth about different things, and here they come. They come back home like they're supposed to be. But the point is, is that you can pray and say, Lord, if this, is, this, is this my spouse? Should I marry this person? Lord, show me the truth. The danger, though, is, is that when the Lord shows you the truth, you go ahead and marry them anyway. Maybe the Lord shows you they have trouble with money. Maybe they, they have an anger issue. Maybe there's all kinds of things that happen, and the Lord will show it to you. In a moment, he'll show it to you. And so many people, they, they see those signs, and they're like, well, I'm going to marry them anyway, because I love them. I love them. I love them. They'll, I'll make them better. I'll straighten them out. I, you know, uh-huh, uh-uh. You know, you go out and live your own life. Live it like you've got to live it, but you're not going to straighten them out. A lot of times people don't change much like that. But the point is, is that when you pray, you can pray uh, prayers like that. You can pray asking the Lord to open doors or close doors. Say, Lord, whatever, you've got to put out a fleece. I don't know if you want me to go to, I don't know if you want me to go to Ireland as a missionary. I don't know if you want me to go to Brazil as a missionary. But Lord, if that's your will, and I kind of feel like that's what you're putting on my heart, will you open a door? And I've heard of missionaries doing this, and then there'll be somebody in the church come up to them and say, hey, we got an opportunity to go to Brazil. You want to go with us? And then you say, well, I don't have enough money. It's going to cost me 1500 $1, to go. What do you do then? Get down on your knees. See how all this is tied to prayer? Get down on your knees. Lord, if you're going to guide me this way, you're going to have to provide. Where the Lord guides, He provides. If He's going to lead, He's going to provide. He's going to give you your needs. So what you do is you pray, say, Lord, if you really want me to go to Brazil, you're going to have to give me the money. And I've heard a missionary saying that they'll come in and somebody will say, you know what? Somebody paid for half a year ago. And then, or they'll go to work and they'll get a bonus at work. And if something will happen, the money will come. They'll say, I knew the Lord wanted me to go because this money came through. If the Lord doesn't provide, don't go. Maybe that's the way the Lord's showing you not to go. If the Lord is leading, he's going to provide. When I look over here at this missionary wall, and I see all the missionaries were supporting, that's a blessing to me. But when uh, we don't have money to support the missionaries, and we don't have money to keep the lights on, this church, this church shuts down because we don't have the money. You know what that tells me? The Lord wants us to move on and go somewhere else. Now, somebody else, or and maybe he wants me to move on and go somewhere else so he can bring somebody else in here and run this thing a lot better. The point is, is if the Lord's not providing, then move on. Amen. But you've got to pray and say, Lord, open this door. Lord, close this door. 
I mean, this is a simple concept, and it's simple, and, and the Christian, some Christians just don't get it. If the God is wanting you to do something, he will provide the means for you to do it. Uh, Sam Kinison, he's a nasty comedian. He screamed and hollered. He's one of those comedians that would scream and holler. He was an ex-preacher. Sam Kinison was a preacher before he became a comedian. But one of his famous things he did on day, he got in trouble for this too. He went on David Letterman, and this is back in the 80s where they had all the Ethiopians, you know, they were living out in the desert, and they had all, they were always, they, oh, it's, all, it's, a, it's for Africa, let's go give them food, and it's all that. And Sam Kinison said one of the most profound things, and he's a comedian. He got on national TV on David Letterman, and he's on there, and he, he got on there, and he said, uh, he starts screaming at him, he said, move, there's no water over here. There's no food here. Move. Move where there's food. Move where there's water. There's no water in the desert. There's no food in the desert. Move. And I remember even as a teenager, I thought that was the funniest thing, but it was true. Now, I had to, I had to, I had to grow up and knowledge of politics and know that their politicians won't let them move. There's war clans that won't let them move. They can't move. They'll be killed. And, and there's a lot of stuff going on there. But there's a lot of simplicity to the liberty in Jesus Christ, guys. If the Lord is not giving you the, the way and providing you the way and the means to do what you're trying to do, maybe you're doing something that the Lord don't want you to do. Amen. Turn over here and say, well, I, I'm going to try to do this for the Lord. And you'll be surprised that maybe it'll, God will swoop in and start providing the way, providing the means, Amen. and you can run with it. But that's how the Lord's always worked in my life. That's why I'm preaching it this way. And there's a real danger of putting out a fleece because I've seen brothers put out fleece and say, well, now, I don't know, I asked the Lord to do this, but now I'm seeing it. I'm a, man, don't start doubting. Amen. You, you, that's the problem. It, 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 the problem is the third reason why I'm even here preaching this this morning. The per, third reason is the real danger. Is the real danger. And the real danger is you're doubting God's word. The real danger of putting out a fleece is simply this. You're doubting what God has already told you to do. Look up at verse 36. I'm not just saying this. This is in the word of God. Look at verse 36. If, and Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save the Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, he's even admitting God's already told him what to do. God's already told him what he's going to do. And now he's going, well, I don't know. So the real danger of putting out a fleece is, honestly, for 99% of us that put out fleeces and trying to tempt God and try to get God to go show us a sign is we're just doubting what God has already told us. Look, he said it. Look at verse 14. This, this same chapter, look at verse 14. God told him, and the Lord looked upon him and said, looked upon Gideon, go in this thy might, and thou, shalt, Gideon, shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites, have not I sent thee? That's God talking to Gideon. Look what he says in verse 16. And the Lord said unto him, unto Gideon, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. God gave him a call. God gave him a command. God gave him a promise. And now he's starting to doubt it. He's starting to doubt God's words. Doubt is a seed planted by the devil in your mind. Any doubt you have about God and God's calling and God's promises and God's deliverance and God's commandments, any doubt you have, brothers and sisters, I can tell you where that comes from. That doesn't come from the Holy Spirit. That comes from the devil. Amen. And the reason why I know that is from the very beginning, that's what he was doing. Amen. 
the very first thing recorded in the Bible that the devil said was, Yea, hath God said. Are you sure that's what God said to you, Eve? Are you sure? And so when you're sitting in here, if you're sitting in the church, you're sitting at home or wherever you're at, you're driving in your car, working, and you start doubting something about God, doubting something about God's Word, that's not coming from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, questions, they might come. You Sometimes we have questions like, God, I don't understand this, or God, this doesn't make much sense. That's not what I'm talking about here. Because we all have questions, we all search, we're all studying to make ourselves approved. I'm talking about doubts, true doubts, where God has said it, and Gideon says, well, I know you said it, but let me put this fleece out now. So God, in his kindness and merciful grace, God gives him what he asked for, right? He makes the fleece wet and the, dry, the ground dry. But in Gideon's doubtfulness, verse 39, And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. He's already done it once, Gideon. Why? This is twice. I'm counting it up. Let it now, let it now be dry upon, only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. God follows him up and decides to go ahead and do it for him. See, to me, that's God's grace right there. Because God, what God could have done is said, come here, Gideon, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you the back of my hand. Whack! And just knock Gideon down and say, come over here, uh, Joel, whoever, and just pick somebody else out and say, you know what, you're a mighty man of valor. I'm going to use you to destroy him. I'm tired of messing with you, Gideon. But he puts up with him, and he puts up with him, just like God puts up with us, and puts up with us, and puts up with us. Being a minister of the Word of God, this verse means a lot to me because it shows me that God puts up with all my foolishness and my doubts. Because as a, as, a, as a minister of the Word of God, I've had doubts. Everybody has doubts. Sometimes you wake up and say, what am I doing? <laughs> what, what's going on here? Now, I know the Holy Spirit didn't put that in my heart. I know where that comes from. That comes from the devil. It comes from the flesh. Like, what am I doing I've never seen Jesus Christ. I've never physically seen Jesus Christ. I've never, I didn't see him resurrect. How do I know that this Bible isn't just all a bunch of lies? You, there's serious doubts. Like, listen, it's a natural thing to doubt. And the greatest of us all have doubted. Amen. The greatest ones. Billy Graham. Dr. Ruckman. Peter. They all have doubted. Martin Luther. All of them. The greatest one according to Jesus Christ doubted. Look at Matthew 11, 11. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to show you this doubt. And I'm going to finish off this sermon. I'm going to finish off this morning showing you some problems with doubt and how Jesus Christ says we can solve it. Because that's the main thing. Is I, I don't want to scare you and say, oh, we doubt, we doubt, we doubt. Of course we doubt. But I want an answer to doubt. How do I deal with doubt? And that's what we want to look at this morning is how to deal with doubt. Because Gideon, basically the problem with Gideon here in Judges 6 was that he was doubting. Gideon had great doubt. Why would Gideon doubt? Gideon doubted because he wasn't a mighty man of valor. But God was calling him a mighty man of valor. God was saying, you're going to do something amazing. And Gideon said, I'm just a nobody, <laughs> you know. Who am I? I'm not going to do anything about it. So he's, he's doubting. And sometimes you look at your life and you say, 
God, you saved me. I'm just a sorry, wretched sinner. You would save me? You mean as sorry as I am, you love me? Have you ever had doubts like that? I have. Well, I look at my life and the sinner and the way I, I mess up and, and on purpose. See, when I say the words like mess up, I don't want y'all to think like I'm walking along and trip over a rock and fall down. You know, those are accidents. I'm talking like where I know it's wrong. The Holy Spirit is telling me it's wrong. The Holy Spirit is literally holding me by the back of my shirt trying to keep me from doing something. And I go ahead and pull right through like a, like a mule and go do it. And then do it and then have that conviction come on me and go, why does God love me? Why? He got a sorry deal when he got me. Did he really get me? Does he really love me? I don't even love me. I've had people tell me that. I don't even love me. Matthew chapter 11, look at verse 11. Verily I say unto you, this is Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior speaking, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, that would be everybody underneath the sound of my voice, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. That's it. Greater than... There's nobody greater than John the Baptist. He's on level ground with Solomon, with Moses, with David, with anybody you can think of, any great politician, anybody you can put on there. He's greater. He's as great as. There's nobody greater than him. So you see where I'm trying to go with this. John the Baptist and Jesus Christ's own words is pretty great. There's nobody greater. But look at verse 1. Matthew 11, verse 1. And it came to pass, when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John, that's John the Baptist that Jesus Christ was just talking about, had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. Now John the Baptist, he's arrested by this time. And he's in prison, so he again sends two of his disciples and says, I want you to go to Jesus, and this is what I want you to ask Jesus. Verse 3. And he said unto him, Art thou he that should come? Or do we look for another? Jesus Christ goes on to say, this is nobody greater than John the Baptist born among women. Nobody. And you found out there at verse 2 and 3, there's John the Baptist sitting in prison starting to doubt. Now this is the same John the Baptist that when he seen Jesus Christ, he said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. This is the one that when he came, Jesus Christ came to him, he said, I should, you should be baptizing me. I shouldn't even be touching you. He's, John the Baptist says, I'm not even worthy to unlace his, his shoelaces. I, I can't even touch his shoes. John the Baptist said, when I had him in the water, John the Baptist said, I, I witnessed the Holy Spirit come and descending like a dove on him and lighten up. Amen. And I heard the voice of God saying, this is my beloved son. Now, John the Baptist witnessed all of that. And John the Baptist was instrumental in bringing Jesus Christ to the forefront, preaching the repentance, preaching the kingdom, preaching all this, but then he gets thrown in prison. And he's sitting in prison, and Jesus Christ is supposed to be king of kings, isn't he? Amen. So John the Baptist, there's the king. There he is, the Messiah. Woo, here he comes. And John the Baptist is thrown in prison, and John the Baptist is waiting. And waiting, and waiting. And Jesus is still out there working. 
Don't you know John the Baptist the first night said, yeah, Jesus Christ, he's going to come break me out of here. I'm his right-hand man. I'm, I'm the one that cried. I was a voice in the wilderness crying out. I'm the one that was showing Israel Jesus. I'm his right-hand man. And as, as a king, he's going to come break me out. He's the king of the Jews. And he waited a day, a two, waited a week, waited two weeks. And then he said, um, what's going on here? What's going on here? You start doubting. Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Verse 4, Jesus gives you the answers for the doubts that you have in your mind and for the doubts of John. This is Jesus Christ's answers for doubt. Jesus Christ will give us the answers for any kind of doubt you have. And this is, here they are, here, starting in verse 4. Jesus answered and said unto them, to John, John the Baptist's disciples, Go and show again, show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are clean, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Amen. Amen. He basically tells John the disciple, John the Baptist, he tells him through his disciples, don't forget the miracles God's done. Don't forget the miracles God's done. When you start doubting, don't forget God's miracles. Amen. How do I know that he really is God? The miracles of this Bible and the prophecies of this Bible. God told the Jews, don't you ever forget that I opened up that, that Red Sea and there was walls of heaps of water and you walked upon dry land and I, got, I took Egypt and I dropped that water down on them? God told Israel, don't you ever forget that. I am the Lord God, Jehovah. I am that I am. Don't you ever forget that I did that for you. Amen. You'll remind them every year. And you won't let them forget that I, you had to kill a lamb and put the blood on the doorpost. And you got inside that door and I killed everybody outside that door. But I saved you. You won't forget that miracle. Amen. Every year you're going to celebrate that. And somewhere along the way maybe you've forgotten God's miracles. I know as a Christian God's did some miracles in my life. True miracles. Now, I'm not talking about raising the dead, but he's did some things that I can look at and say, there's no other explanation but God. I know there's a lot of y'all in here could say the same thing. Amen. Isn't it funny how we can forget it? Amen. It's so funny how we, I mean, it's amazing. And we'll brag about God. Oh, we'll brag about God. And then you run into somebody like that two years later, and they've forgotten all about God. Amen. They're doubting it. Well, I don't know. Oh, I don't, are you sure? Are you sure? And Jesus Christ says, go back and remind them of the miracles. The miracles that did in your life. Now look up at verse 4. Jesus answered, said unto them, go and show John again. Show him again. You need to be reminded. See, the, the, the answer to this, to these doubts, for John the Baptist, Jesus Christ said, show John again. You got it once, you need it again. You need to be reminded of God. You need to be reminded of God's miracles. You need to be reminded of God's love. You need to be reminded of the grace of Jesus Christ. You need to be reminded how good God really is. When you turn on your TV, you're not reminded. When you get on your internet, you're not reminded. 
When you're on Facebook or Twitter or whatever else you're doing on the internet, you're, they're not reminding you. They talk about coronavirus from here and they're talking about it. They've been talking about it for months and not God's not mentioned one time. Amen. Prayer's not mentioned one time. The, the power of the healing of prayer is not mentioned one time. I've never heard it mentioned. They forget God. Amen. They don't want to remind you of God. That's the last thing they want to do is talk about Jesus Christ. They don't want to remind you. Amen. And Jesus Christ said, show John again. Amen. Remind him. I know a place that will remind you. It's called church. Amen. Nobody wants to go there. There's lots of reminders in there. You might have the worst preacher in the world, but you can open up on them hymns and sing, you'll be reminded. I've never been in, I've been in some, of, I'll be honest with you, I've been in some of the worst churches probably in America visiting. And I'm thinking, how in the world? But I, when I've been in that church, I might have heard some of the worst preaching, some of the worst singing, but I always are reminded that there is a God and that He's a miracle worker. Amen. He's saving. He's in the saving business. No matter how sorry a church I've been in, God's a miracle worker and He's in the saving business. Amen. Praise God for that. Amen. I needed that reminder. We all need that reminder. I know another place you can be reminded at. It's in a book right here. It's a book right here. No place you can be reminded at. We need to be reminded. Amen. We can be like John. We can get sit down and the, the, the trials and troubles and storms of life come and we start forgetting about God. We start forgetting that God is a miracle worker and that He can work it out. He's got a plan and we start forgetting this stuff. And Jesus Christ says, you need to be rem reminded that there's things going on. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf are here, the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. You need to be reminded God's still moving. God's still working. You know, God doesn't do a miracle around us every day. He doesn't. If He did, it wouldn't be a miracle, brothers and sisters. That's why we call them miracles. They're very, very rare. But as a church of believers, when we hear somebody stand up and say, uh, and they, they tell, well, we have somebody that they, they diagnosed them with stage four cancer and they've been praying for them and they've been getting the healing that they need and they're healed up. We praise the Lord. We think it's a miracle. We hear that. We praise the Lord for it. We're reminded that God's still in the miracle working business. And he can still do it. And Jesus Christ said, go back and tell old John the Baptist who's doubting me. Show him again this stuff. Show him again. But I want to point out something to you. John the Baptist is in prison. Jesus Christ didn't say, I want you to go get John the Baptist out of prison, bring him in to me, and I'm going to show John with his own eyes so he can see me healing the blind, raising the dead. John didn't get to see it. Notice that? John's in prison. Jesus Christ said, you go show him this. They're going to give him the account of what they've seen, and they go tell John the Baptist, this is what Jesus Christ is doing. Yes, John the Baptist, and this is going to help you with your doubt, and it's the only way it's going to help you with the doubt. John the Baptist, Jesus Christ is telling John the Baptist simply, you're going to have to live by faith, Amen. not by sight. According to this account, he sent two disciples, and I assume those two disciples went back to John the Baptist and said, hey, we've seen the dead raised up. We've seen the, the blind healed. There were two accounts given to John the Baptist. 
He had to sit in prison and believe what they gave him. Amen. That's what you have to do. You have to believe what somebody else has told you about Jesus Christ. Amen. Just like John the Baptist. See, John the Baptist was thrown in prison, and then Jesus Christ's ministry took off. John the Baptist knew that was the lamb, of the, the, the lamb that was going to take away the sins of the world. John the Baptist knew that was the Messiah, the King. But he didn't get to see him work with his own physical eyes. He's stuck in prison. And his disciples came and said, we're seeing him do this and we're seeing him do that. You got a better witness. You don't have two accounts. You have four. Amen. You have the fifth if you count the book of Acts. You have six if you count Paul, what he wrote. You have seven if you count John, what he wrote in Revelation later on. Think about all the accounts you have to live by faith. Amen. John had two. You got it better than John. Number one, if you're listening to me in this church, you're not in prison right now. Amen. Amen. And number two, number two, you have it in your lap written down. John didn't have it written down. He had to listen to him and say, man, he's... And he had to believe. You have it written down to where you can read it. And then you say, I need to be reminded. And you can go back to this old book. And you can blow off the dust. And say, I need to be reminded about how good my God is. Amen. I'm starting to doubt. I'm starting to doubt his grace. I'm starting to doubt his promises. I'm starting to doubt his calling. I'm starting to doubt the things he can do for me. I'm starting to doubt the things he's done for me. I need to open up this old book and read this account. Amen. And you got it right here. Pages and pages and pages and pages of an account to help you live by faith and not by sight. Amen. In John 20, 29, Jesus Christ said to Thomas, Jesus saith unto Thomas, Because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. Amen. You want to be blessed? Believe in Jesus Christ. You don't need a miracle. You don't need a sign. You don't need to see it. You've got the witness. You've got the account. For we walk by faith, not by sight. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. The fourth thing I want to show you, and the last one I want to show you, is found there in verse 6. After Jesus Christ gives all the account of the cleansing and the deaf hearing, look what he says in verse 6. And he says in verse 6, And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Amen. Jesus knew the truth. Jesus knew the truth that John was simply offended. And I could see why he would be offended. See, I can understand John pretty well. I think I can. Because here's John, he's doing everything God wants him to do. There's nobody greater than John the Baptist according to Jesus Christ. He's doing exactly what God wants him to do. And he's in prison. And Jesus Christ is out there doing all these great miracles and John's not getting to see it. And John wants Jesus Christ to break him out. I want to get out of here. I want to be with you. I'm ready to go on and be with you. I want to do something for you. I'm ready to work for you, Lord. I'm ready to do this for you, Lord. I want to see these miracles. I want... And Jesus Christ said, I want you to stay right there. See, that's really living by faith. And you'll be a lot happier and a more blessed Christian if you'll learn not to be offended when Jesus Christ doesn't do what you want him to do. Amen. 
I want you to heal them. Sometimes Jesus Christ don't heal them. Lord, I need this money. And sometimes the money don't come. Amen? Amen. Amen. I mean, are y'all living the same life I'm living? Sometimes I have sicknesses. I say, Lord, heal me up. And I'm not healed. There's some dearly beloved brothers and sisters in Christ. I've cried tears and tears for them over their illness. And God doesn't heal them up. John the Baptist doesn't come out of prison, brother and sisters. Y'all know the story. John the Baptist, doing everything he's supposed to do right for God, gets his head cut off. Amen. Job went on to say, Job, in Job, Job chapter 13, verse 15, said one of the most profound things in the Scripture, though, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Amen. Though he... Slay me, yet will I trust in him. You've got to have enough faith to say, no matter what the Lord does or what storm he puts me through, I'm going to trust in him. And not be offended. And I'll be a lot happier. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. The opposite of doubt is faith. Simply, you've got to have faith to believe the Lord has a plan for your life. Amen. Now, it's easy for me to say, because when I say plan, you, you automatically run like, you've got this glorious plan. I'm going to hit the finish line. I'm going to be number one. I'm going to wear the crown. I'm going to kill the lion. I'm going to do, you're gonna, you have, you, you see, when you say plan, people automatically, because we're thinking, of, you think about yourself, you're thinking you're standing on the top podium. First place. Sometimes God's plan is not that. Sometimes God's plan is get your head cut off. Amen. Sometimes God's plan is for you not to be a, come out of prison quick. Maybe you're two, three years in there like, like uh, Joseph. God's plan doesn't work. He doesn't work on our time, and he's got a plan. And you'll be a lot happier Christian if you'll say, you know what, I know this is not what I want, but I'm going to trust in you. Be like Peter said, Lord, where else am I going to go? There is nowhere else for us to go but Jesus Christ. Amen. That's how Jesus Christ answered the doubt. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for loving us, putting up with us, Lord God. Father, forgive us for doubting. Lord, you know we're only human. Lord, you know we live by sight so many days of the week, Lord God, that we need to live by faith, Father, but it's so hard to, Father. Lord, everything we have in our society, from phones to TV to whatever it might be, Lord God, is predicated on our eyesight and what we see with our eyesight, Lord. Help us just to settle down, Lord God, and just to focus on you and to pray to you, Lord God. Help remind us, Father, that you are a miracle worker, Lord, that you are loving and graceful. Father, give us a good church, Lord God, to be reminded of, Lord. Give us a good Bible. Lord, thank you for your Bible that we can be reminded of it, Lord. And uh, thank you, Father, for your reminders. Lord, thank you for uh, your grace and mercy, Lord God, in time of need. And Lord, even though we might be in prison, Lord, we might be in a spot that we don't want to be, Lord God, you always have promised us, Lord, you'll give us the strength when we're weak, and you'll give us the grace to bear it, Lord God. And Father, we thank you for that grace, Lord. But we do thank you above all else, Lord, that we have salvation in Jesus Christ. And if we get our head cut off tomorrow, Lord, that we know that we have a place waiting for us in heaven. And that's all that matters to us, Lord God, is how it turns out in the end. Lord, we're just thankful that you turn it out good in the end. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. 
If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him